0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 96. Today, we're going to be speaking about getting in the way of God. Yeah, it's a kind of a strange thing to say. Can you get in God's way? I think so. I think you can. And uh, as we'll see from our, our passage that we're looking at today, even Jesus' closest. Closest disciples, his students, his his main part of the... He had three really close ones, Peter, James, and John. Even Peter gets in Jesus' way, misunderstands God, messes up horribly every so often. You know, one of the great uh, themes in the Bible, from the beginning for the first book, Genesis, to the last book, Revelation, a theme that runs throughout the entire book is this whole idea of conflict between good and evil in the world. Not everything is good. Uh, yes, people can oppose God. Now, when we think about people opposing God, chances are, if you're like me, you might think of people who do really, really bad things. So you're listening to the news at night and you hear of these things that people do to one another and you think, oh, that's terrible. Why how can people do that? It's so wrong and it's so bad. And, and, and clearly it's wrong. But when Jesus speaks about people opposing God, he's not just speaking about people who commit terrible crimes Jesus sees this tendency in everyone. The ability and the ease, actually, that people can oppose God. The temptation's always there. It's all—it's a, Temptation's a real thing. It can't be avoided. And as I said, in this particular passage that we're looking at, actually we've got quite a few passages, but... He calls, Jesus calls one of his closest students, Satan. And that word simply means opposer. Satan is one who opposes. So he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. In other words, you're opposing me. You're, you're getting in God's way. Get out of the way. Come and follow me. You're, you're, it's like Peter, you're hindering The very thing that you would not want to do is what you're doing. Is it possible to get in God's way? Yes, it seems to be. Absolutely. Whether Peter completely misread Jesus or he just couldn't see he was actually doing anything wrong. But instead of helping him, he ends up getting in the way. Yeah. We have to learn how to listen. Because it's very easy to listen to the wrong voice. It's very easy to listen to the wrong kind of guidance. And choose the wrong path. Now I mentioned that in the scripture. From the very, very beginning we've seen this problem with people. Remember the scriptures. It's not just about Peter. It's not just about whoever we're talking about, Adam and Eve or King David. or It doesn't really matter who it is. It's always always much bigger than that. It's always really a picture of us, a picture of humanity. One of the very first stories in the entire book of the Bible in Genesis is, of course, Adam and Eve. What's Adam and Eve about? It's about choosing the wrong path, really, when you think about it. Because the very first, one of the very first stories, Adam and Eve, God says, don't eat the fruit from that tree. And Adam and Eve look at that tree, and of course, they want that fruit. You know the story, right? The serpent comes along the serpent, the voice of temptation comes along, basically opposes God's instruction and says, nothing's bad going to happen. Nothing nothing bad will happen if if you eat that fruit. God said, well, you eat from that particular tree and you'll die. Serpent says, you're not going to die. You won't die. Well, they ate it, right? They ate the fruit And you know what happens, right? Later on, they end up dying and everyone else later on (laughs) has died since then, right? But here's what is amazing. In the midst of all this mess now, they're in the Garden of Eden, they mess it up completely, thrown out of the garden. Right at the very beginning of the mess, God gives this promise. And the promise is, one of the children of Eve, one of the offspring, will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will bite his heel. Now, it's kind of a strange way of talking. I understand that, but think of it as poetry. The, the promise is, after Adam and Eve decide to do what they want to do, not listen to God, just do their own thing, Take control. God comes in with this promise and says, there's going to come a time. I will send one who will crush the serpent's head. That means destroy its power. And the serpent will bite his heel. That's that's an image of suffering. It's It's a tiny glimpse, Genesis 3. Tiny glimpse at the beginning of the book of a promised one a promised coming king who will come and put the world to right. It's a tiny hint of a Messiah. He'll suffer. The heel will be bitten. He will suffer. But ultimately, he will overcome. So many, many years passed. Many, many, we're talking hundreds when we talk about many years in the Bible, we're like hundreds of years past. And God calls this man called Abraham and says to him, Abraham, this is actually the beginning of ancient Israel. This is how the whole thing started. God calls this man, Abraham, and says, Abraham, look at the stars. You see them? Look at this. Can you count them? No, you can't. Your descendants will be as many of these stars in the sky. You'll never be forgotten, Abraham. Because from from your descendants, there will be a great blessing to the entire world. Well, of course, Abraham lived out his life. He didn't see the the full promise, right? He did have lots of sons, but he never saw this, this promised one coming. But his grandson, Abraham's grandson, Judah, got a promise from God and the promise was Judah from your tribe from your tribe a king will be born and this king will come and he will bring peace and he will bring joy and he will right wrongs it's kind of like this picture of you know grapes on every vine and Olives on, olives on every tree and sweet honey. You know, I mean, it's just like a picture of peace and plenty and joy. and Well, many, many hundreds of years passed, no king comes. About a thousand years later, maybe King David's born. King David was quite a famous king in the Old Testament. He did... Um, Quite a lot of good. But he also listened to the serpent a few times and went the wrong way. And some of the people at the time were thinking, I wonder if I wonder if this could be the Messiah. I wonder if this could be the promised king. Nah, it turns out he's not really going to be the promised king because he listens to the wrong voice too many times. And his sons are even worse. So all his sons who were kings, they were absolutely hopeless. There's no way that they would be The Messiah, the promised king. They were way too into money, sex, and power and violence. They were violent, power seeking, money grabbing types of people. Hundreds and hundreds of years passed. Israel's still waiting for this promise, ancient Israel. Will the king ever come? What about the Messiah? What about God's promised one? What about, I thought God was going to come and make the world right and set things right. and Well, Israel had their ups and downs throughout the entire, what we call Old Testament. Eventually, Israel was taken over by their enemies, Babylon. And now there's no more kings because when Israel's taken over, that there's no more kings after that point. And so it's like, well, that's the end of that story then. But the ancient prophets never, ever gave up on the promise. And the ancient prophet Isaiah said, no, no, God is going to send someone, and by his wounds you will be healed. Isaiah said, God will fulfill God's promises. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You remember that one? Remember that line from the Messiah? King of Kings and Lord of Lords, hallelujah. And he shall reign forever and ever. Remember that? Yeah, this is Isaiah's lines. God will send a suffering servant and he will. You, 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 you will be healed because of his wounds. Well,. Hundreds and hundreds of years pass, and the Old Testament ends. And there's no king. Enter the New Testament. Now, in the New Testament, the first pages, we are introduced to someone called Jesus of Nazareth. And lo and behold, Jesus of Nazareth is from the lineage in the tribe of David, and Judah. And Abraham. This is no common, ordinary, everyday man. It's like, oh, you mean he's got the he's got the line from like the promised one? He's from Abraham, he's from Judah, he's from David, he's from that tribe. Yeah, yeah, he's from that tribe. He is the one who is coming. This is the one that Isaiah said. By his wounds you'll be healed. This is the one Isaiah said, the suffering servant. God has a plan. Jesus appears, and the first thing he does is is, he confronts evil. And he does it by healing broken people, and he starts to forgive people, and he starts to change people's lives. And the blind see, and the deaf hear, and the lame walk, and all that brokenness and mess in the world... Starts to change. Could this be could could this be the Messiah? Could, could this be the promised one? All that to say I'm getting to the text today, right? I've got it in front of me here. Mark 8. So Jesus said one day to his disciples, So what are people saying? Well, they said, I don't know, there's a lot of, lot of ideas about you, you know, I mean, some say that you're like John the Baptist, some say that you're actually like, like Elijah, like the prophets, and uh, some say that you are a prophet, and Jesus said, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter said, I think that you're the Messiah, I think that you're the promised one, I think you're the Christ. I think you're the one that we've been waiting for, for so long. I think you're the one that we've put our hope in. For centuries and centuries and centuries, we have been waiting and looking for you. Jesus says, oh, Peter, blessed are you because... Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. That's from God. That's insight. That's revelation. You piece that together, you're on the right track. And he was at that point. He was at that point. Until Jesus said to them all, Now the Son of Man, that he liked to call himself the Son of Man. That's another sermon for another day, why he did that. Jesus said to him, the son of man must suffer and be killed and in three days rise again. Jesus said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to Jerusalem. When I'm in Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. Peter immediately says, absolutely not. We can never let that happen. We, 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 let, let's not go to Jerusalem. We don't want anything to happen to you. We certainly don't want you to suffer and we certainly don't want you to die. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the king we've been waiting for. This can never, ever, ever happen. And at that point, that's when Jesus turns around and said, Peter, get behind me. Don't oppose me. Get behind me, Satan. Remember that word, Satan, opposer. You're standing in the way of God. You're getting in the way of God. You're absolutely opposing all that I should be doing. Now stop it and get behind me. Start to follow. It's almost like, Peter, you don't get to make the plan. You're called to fit into God's plan. You come and follow me. You don't do any leading here. I'm doing the leading. Now, like all of these stories... It's not just about Peter. It's not just about Adam and Eve. It's not just about King David and his wild sons. It's about people, right? And when it's about people, it's about me and you. It's about people like Peter, which is me and you, right? Thinking we're right. Thinking we know what's best. Pushing ahead. Making all sorts of decisions. Insisting. Insisting life and people and situations need to be a certain way simply because it suits us in some way. And when we do that without thinking, we can be completely wrong. And then Jesus shows up with an entirely different way of living and moving and relating in the world. And he says things like, the first will be last and the last will be first. He reverses the order The first will be last, and the last will be first. It's about humility, he says. You have to be teachable. You have to learn humility. Jesus said, whoever becomes like a little child, theirs is the kingdom. They're understanding it. They're seeing what God's doing in the world. Whoever becomes like a little child, Think of the openness of a two or a three-year-old. Two and three-year-olds, three-year-olds, they're really teachable, right? They're wide-eyed. This is why people love little ones so much, because they're so, you know, innocent and wide-eyed and awestruck and they want to learn. They're like little sponges, right? Yeah, that's the stance Jesus is saying. That, that's, that's where you need to be, In your inner life. It's like Peter is the opposite of that. He's Peter is, okay, let me tell you how this has to be. This is the right way. You've got the wrong way. Now you listen to me. Because I have the right way here. I have the plan. This is how we're going to do it. This is how it needs to get done. Listen to me and we'll be fine, Jesus. Rigid, closed-minded, got it all figured out. You can't tell me anything. I know what I'm doing. Not kind of exaggerating a bit to give you the energy of it, right? But it's this energy that I'm that, that's that what's I think being described here. Um, I, 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 it's possible to get in the the way of what God is doing in our lives when we are too insistent, when we give too much instruction, when we talk too much when we think we know what other people need all the time, when we interfere too much in the lives of children, grandchildren, friends, parents, whatever, I mean, we can get off track. We can be misinformed. Jesus said, get behind me. In other words, I need to do the leading, Peter. I need to do the leading here. Not you. Yeah, so much of... so much of our spiritual life is... reigning... reigning reigning it all in in some ways. I think it's easy to be too quick to assume... we know what the right thing is, not just for ourselves, but also for other people, you know, because I think we can do this with other people too. We can, we can look onto other people's lives. I've done this a lot, uh, and think that was a really stupid thing to do. Why would anybody do that? That is a crazy decision to make or, um, and you know, you can kind of assume all sorts of things as you look onto someone's life. And I don't think it's always helpful. Most of the time, it's not. I think that following Christ takes a little bit more humility than that, and, it, and it, I think humility can honestly say, "I am really not exactly sure what the best thing is at this point in time." And, uh, and certainly now, I mean, don't you don't you feel that even more now that we're sort of we're not really post-COVID, because it's not nothing post about it. But you know how we're sort of opening up a little bit here. And anyway, in North America we are. We're opening up a little bit more in California. And, and yet still, there's a, certainly a sense that, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, get, get, get used to things being different, because they're always going to be different, that kind of feeling. You know, like we all feel that, you know, we're not going to go back to what it was. That's for sure. And I think in the midst of all of that, there's, I think it's okay to say, you know, I'm not exactly sure what God is doing in my life. I'm not really sure how God's leading, but I am sure that I want to fall in behind Jesus and not push ahead. And I don't want to get in the way. And I think that's a good prayer. I really do. And I I pray it myself too, a lot. Help me not get in the way of what you're doing. Help me not get in the way. So there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. There's the prayer and the heart cry. And by the way, for, for those of you who... Don't know much about Peter, he really did learn that lesson and he did step back in line and he ended up being one of the finest, finest examples of a man of faith in the scripture. Yeah, so, you know, even though he was headstrong and the, even though he was opinionated and the, even though he had lots of ideas, he did have that childlike faith that could recognize who's failing, and say, I don't want to do that anymore. Here I am. I'm ready to follow you. There's the heart cry. Here I am. I'm ready to follow you. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.